This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The Apostle Paul warned his ministry sidekick, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times would come. Question, do you think we might be in those perilous times now? Maybe that's the reason why so many people don't have peace. Maybe that's the reason why anxiety is taking over not only our country, but the entire world. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus promised was going to take place, what the Apostle Paul said would take place, and here it is, taking place right before our eyes. On the other hand, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. How are we going to have his peace amid perilous times? That's our question here today on Viewpoint. I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And I just felt that it was very important for us to have a bit of a break from talking about all the issues out there and talk about some of the issues in here that is inside our minds and our hearts. Because the reality is the heart of the matter is always the heart. And it's out of the heart, Jesus said, that our mouth speaks all kinds of things, all kinds of wickedness, including anxiety, fear, and frustration. Isn't it interesting that we're called to fear God and not to fear man? So why is it that we fear man and not God? Isn't that interesting? We're told to trust God with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. And yet, unfortunately, it seems we're more prone to lean to our own understanding as if it's some sort of a, what should we say, a religious app leading to our own understanding. And then all of a sudden, when things fall apart, we call the God app. Isn't that interesting? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about how to live a stress-less life amid a stressful environment. And so I'm glad that you joined us again. Please stay tuned today because this book, this message today is for you. It's for all of us. Vance Pittman joining us here with his brand new book, The Stressless Life, Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God and God's Indescribable Peace. Vance, it's good to have you on board. Chuck, thanks so much, man. It's an honor to be here with you today, and I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. Well, you don't have any choice to look forward to it because it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Now, did I catch from your phone number that you're living in a place where gambling takes place in our world? (laughs) I am. I uh, moved. 21 years ago, my family felt the call of God. To take a gamble. Exactly. We were sent out of a church uh, in Woodstock, Georgia, to Las Vegas, Nevada. Back then, Las Vegas was the fastest-growing city in North America, Uh still booming and busting. And we came out here 21 years ago and planted a church, uh, started by just living as missionaries in the city, engaging our city with the gospel. And Mm -hmm. today, 
that church has over 4,000 people that attend our worship services. We've started over 70 churches out of our church up wow. and down the West Coast. Our well, that's pretty has, amazing because yeah, it's uh, an amazing journey. Civilization Magazine in 1997 came out with a feature article concerning your city and called yeah. it the heart of all American darkness. Well, the beauty of that is the darker the darkness, the brighter the light of the gospel. Wow. Well, that's a, a good city word. Like Las Vegas, people are open to the gospel. There are a lot of people here searching for the answer, the meaning of life, uh, how, to have a, how, to, how to get the most out of life, what is life really all about. And we know the only real answer to that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him and living out of the overflow of that intimate fellowship with Him and We've just seen thousands of people come to faith in Christ in Las Vegas. Miraculous stories take place. And just like God to do something in the most unlikely of cities in the world for his glory to touch the ends of the earth. So we're thrilled to be a part of it. Well, how are they dealing with uh, the perilous times that uh, we're experiencing? Those are pretty much universal, not just in this country, but all over the country, all over the world. Uh, just ask the Ukrainians and ask what's happening in uh Iran asked what uh, many of the citizens in Russia are feeling, with 15,000 of them having been collected to, uh, congregated together and uh, uh, taken out of uh, public life. Uh, who knows what's going on? We just can't control everything these days. You're exactly right, Chuck. But the beauty of that for us as followers of Jesus, and what we've always been about here in Las Vegas and discipling people at Hope Church is, that we're, yes, we live in a world, but we are a part of another kingdom. And it's a kingdom that God is alive and at work in this world establishing. From Genesis to Revelation is the eternal redemptive ark mm-hmm. of God redeeming a people to himself from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And as dark and as chaotic as the world seems to be in moments of history like we're living in, the real spiritual reality is God is alive and at work. God is expanding his kingdom. You mentioned a couple of places, for example, Iran. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that Iran is one of right now the fastest growing people movements to the gospel in the history of Christianity. Isn't more that people, amazing? More people have come to Christ in Iran in the last 100 years than in the previous 19 centuries combined. Well, it's probably so, the only time they've had peace in the last 50 years. <laughs> No doubt about it. God God is moving in the world, and that's where we as believers have to focus. We have a king who's in control, a king who's in charge. He's never up for election. He never takes a day Mm. off, and he is accomplishing his agenda. All right. Now, what's interesting here is that we're living in perilous times. I don't think there's any question about that. Yet God says that we're to be anxious for nothing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the willing uh, the, the heart of God for you. So uh, there are answers to our dilemma, and I think you mentioned the right word. You use the word kingdom or the kingdom of God. Yeah. Our problem is we see ourselves primarily as citizens of terra firma, and we forget that if we're truly born again, if we're truly converted, we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of God. And so we have a tension. We have a divine tension between whether we're going to suffer the anxieties of terra firma or whether we're going to to walk in the peace of God, don't we? You're exactly right. And what's beautiful about that is that's not new. 
sometimes we talk about these things like these are 21st century problems and we're dealing with stuff <laughs> the world's never dealt with before. Yeah. But do you remember, Chuck, in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, just before the ascension of Jesus, he's just spent 40 days with his disciples post his resurrection. Right. And he's about to give them the Great Commission. He's about to say, you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, around the ends of the earth. Right before he does that, the disciples come and ask him a question. And here was the question. Lord, is now the time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Mm-hmm. They wanted to talk politics. <laughs> they wanted to talk about world leadership. They yep. wanted to talk about who was in charge. And Jesus' response was very clear. That's none of your business. Well, Jesus, today, if you're going to put if you're going to put your trust in elephants and donkeys, if you're going to put your trust in Republicans and Democrats in this country, you're going to be stressed out. And today no on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking more with Vance Pittman concerning his book, The Stressless Life. Friends, this is a $17 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Get a copy of it today. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. He collapsed and for almost 200 hours did absolutely nothing but sleep. He lost 18 pounds because he couldn't even wake up long enough to eat. Couldn't talk with his wife. His body simply refused to function. And that's the man who's talking with us today. You would think that he had been on cloud nine, but apparently not. He was deep under the earth of anxiety. And today on Viewpoint, he says... Life is a stress test. Everything you experience in life is a stress test. Successes, failures, relationships, work, family, sickness, uncertainty, finances, good times, dreams, bad times, tragedies, bad elections. Sometimes that pressure increases gradually, and sometimes that pressure gets piled up all at once in moments of crisis. So, where are we today? I've taken a few stress tests in my life, that is, uh, medical stress tests, but uh, it seems to be that uh, my life has actually been characterized by stress. In fact, uh, someone once told me, since I practiced uh, law as a trial attorney for 20 years, that I must eat stress for breakfast. Yeah, well, the bottom line, Chuck, is that in short, what distinguishes us as followers of Jesus is not the absence of stressors in our lives. Mm-hmm. We are going to have, you, you read the verse a minute ago, in the last days, perilous times will come. And I love the way the Amplified Bible says it, times of great stress and great trouble that are hard to deal with and hard to bear. Mm-hmm. Meaning the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, and here's the bottom line, how close are we? I don't know, but we're closer today than we were yesterday. Well, that's true. And the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more challenging circumstances are going to be in front of us. So what distinguishes us is not the absence of stressors. It's the presence of God's indescribable peace in the midst of those things. All right, the question is how you find that peace. 
Billy Graham once wrote a book way back when called Peace with God, but the reality is you can say you have peace with God by being converted, but not have peace in your own heart because you don't have peace with men, you don't have peace with your finances, you don't have peace with your politics, you don't have peace, period. Well, there's peace with God, and then there's the peace of God. I like that. Peace with God is what we have on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Right. Because of Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross, you and I have been reconciled to God. We are no longer enemies of God. We're friends of God. We now have peace with God. But there are many Christians that have peace with God who are not day-to-day, moment-by-moment, enjoying the peace of God. They're not resting in their identity. True. And one of the reasons the Apostle Paul tells us why they're not having peace with God is because they're living in enmity against God. uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us that when we disobey and we refuse to to, uh, do what God says— that and we follow the ways of the world and our carnal flesh, we are actually living as enemies of God. How can you have peace with God when you're living as an enemy of God, even while you're claiming to be a Christian? Well, it starts by what you said, more than claiming to be a Christian, we have to be a Christian. We have mm. to have a personal relationship with God. I'm afraid what we have much in America today is a culture of Christianity without the Christ of Christianity. We are we have the packaging of religion, mm-hmm. but it's not an intimate love relationship with God. So in order you cannot know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. It begins in a personal relationship with him, but then it's about living in constant fellowship with God. It's about enjoying that relationship moment by moment. All right, a here's a problem. Think, all Here, right. Here's a problem. You're a man. I'm a man. Yep. And what I've discovered over the past uh, 50 years, not only in the practice of law as a Christian lawyer, but also as a pastor for 35 years, and on this radio program for 27 years, what I've discovered is the majority of Christian men don't read. They don't read the Bible, and they don't want to. How in the world is a man going to have genuine peace and lead his family in the peace of God when he doesn't uh, submit himself to the Word of God? Well, absolutely, the discipline of reading the Word is critical. But here's what I think we often miss as men and as Christians in general. We don't read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible because it's what I have to do to be a good Christian. God has invited us into relationship with himself, and he's given us a love letter so that through his Word, We can grow to know him. We can grow in fellowship with him. We can speak with him, and he can speak with us. Mm -hmm. The Word of God is a means by which I grow to know God and love God. And the more I know and love God, the more obedience spills out of my life. Obedience is not what I do to earn a right standing before God. Obedience is the overflow of a love relationship with God, and it's born out of that intimate fellowship with him. Men, women, all of us have to have this constant, intimate fellowship with the Father if we're going to know Him and enjoy His peace. Over the last eight years, I have asked many a pastor and parachurch leader on this program, what do you think is the most hated word in the church today? And with only one exception, they all said the word obey. 
the very thing, the very word that Jesus said was how to identify whether you really love him. In other words, whether you really are in fellowship with him, yet that's the most hated and despised word in the church today. How in the world, Vance, can we have peace, the peace of God, when we refuse to walk in his ways? Well, let me quote you the verse where Jesus said exactly what you're talking about. In John chapter 14 and verse 15, Exactly, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, the problem is, for much of my Christian life, the way I heard that verse was, if you love me, you better do what I say. Well, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that what kept Moses out of the promised land? Isn't that what kept the children, 600,000 men who came out of Egypt from the promised land? They refused to do what God said. But I don't think that's what Jesus said. I don't think Jesus said, if you love me, you better do what I say. I think that puts all the emphasis on obedience. Here's what he said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Emphasis not on keeping his commandments, emphasis on loving you. True. So obviously your lack of obedience reveals your lack of love, no matter how you cut it. And what we've done in the church is rather than focus on helping people cultivate a love relationship with God, we've held up the standard of obedience and said, do this, do this, do this, do this. God did not create us as human doings. He created us as human beings. Absolutely. we are to be something, and what we do flows out of what we are. Okay, so we say... flows out of our love relationship. We say we're a Christian nation. We say that. We've said that uh, in 19... Uh, what was it? 1990, 78% of Americans claim to be born-again Christians. 92% claim to believe in God. Today, those numbers have decreased by 20% each. So it's obvious, even though our churches are filled, mega churches filled, something is radically wrong, and our people don't have peace, the peace of God. And they don't have the peace of God because they're really not being led to submit to God, his word, his will, and his ways as, a, as a, an expression of their love for him. We actually have the largest churches on the American continent we've ever had, with fewer people going to church in America than we've ever had. <laughs> go figure, my brother. Go figure. Okay. It, it boils down to a discipleship issue in the church. We've we've created systems to fill church buildings without understanding a yep. biblical missiology to make disciples. In other words, the church growth movement beginning in the 1970s that metastasized into the seeker-sensitive movement in the 1990s and the emerging church movement now have all diminished our love of God and increased greater anxiety in our country and among professing Christians. Well, I'll let you make that statement. I don't think I would say it that way. <laughs> of course um, not, because you got a mega church. <laughs> no, well, I, I wouldn't say it that way for that reason, because we've planted many churches uh, that aren't large churches. To uh-huh. me, what what the significance of the church is not determined by the size of the church. True. It's determined by the size of the mission, and the mission is big. You got a lot of small churches and large churches that have embraced a very small mission. And the mission is the global, eternal, redemptive mission of God, reaching right. every tribe, tongue, people, and nation all right. over the world. And I would even challenge your statement that you said, we say we are a Christian nation. I don't know 
who the we is, but like I've never said that in my lifetime. I don't even really know what that means, to be honest, that we are a Christian nation. Yeah, what it, it meant was we were founded on basic uh, biblical principles. That's what it meant. Some okay. would argue that, and others would argue that we were founded differently. So it just depends on who right. you talk to and how right. you let them define it. So what is stress anyway? Stress is fearful concern when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet. It's when a challenge, a situation, a circumstance in my life comes up, and I look at I look internally to find the resources to meet that need and find myself wanting. And rather than turning to the Lord, I turn to myself, and mm-hmm. I begin to have sleepless nights. I begin to toil. And I'm not saying that there's not genuine concern. All right. of us have situations that drive us to genuine concern, but genuine concern is expressed through dependence on God, and it asks the question, what is he going to do? Fearful concern expresses itself in dependence on self and says, what am I going to do? I love and every it. time I look to me, I, I wind up without enough. All right. Now let's translate that into the very characteristic of our culture today. Okay. Our culture is characterized by the lordship of feelings rather than faith. We talk the language of faith, but the reality is we submit to the lordship of our feelings, and self has become king. Therefore, how in the world, Vance, are we going to live according to the way you're saying when in fact we have allowed our feelings to become lord even in God's own house? I mean, after all, back in the 1970s, one of the leading, uh, Christ- one of the leading popular singers of the time a dear Christian lady said, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? Well, we definitely have allowed feelings to begin to drive the train. And the, the reality is, at the end of the day, every person is a person of faith. And what I mean by that is we're all putting our faith in something. Right. The question is not – I mean, think about it. Even the atheist is a person of faith because they can't prove their atheism. So <laughs> they true. believe they believe in atheism. So that's a faith. The question is, what is the authority of our faith? And as Christians, unfortunately, we're living in a day where people are more discipled by 24-hour news cycles, Twitter feeds, and social media mm-hmm. than they are God and His Word, time alone with Him, spending time in the Word of God, developing a biblical worldview through which they can see the different circumstances and situations in life. And because of that, we allow feelings and emotions to drive the train. And when yep. we do that, we always wind up wanting. Absolutely. And we lined up, line up with stress. Can you imagine Jesus uh, resorting to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these things? No, he would never have done that. He went to his father in order to have quiet time with him. It was about relationship. That's where his power came from. Why is it that we seek all these other things? You make a great point in acknowledging the life that Jesus lived. I don't think anybody had more pressure in their life than Jesus. He Mm -hmm. carried literally the weight of the world on his shoulders and his humanity. Mm -hmm. And yet you never saw Jesus stressed. I mean, think about even the disciples with him in a boat in the middle of a storm, the boat is being ripped apart. The disciples are freaking out. They're stressing out. What's Jesus doing? He's asleep in the boat. Why? Because he had confidence in his father. 
that his father, even though the situation seemed out of control, mm. he knew his father was in control, and he trusted the heart of his father. And that's where we are as Christians. We look at the world, we look at America, and we begin to – one of the most disappointing things of the last 24 months to me in the American church is that we walk through the same political and medical and pandemic issues that the world did, and we freaked out just like the world did. It's unbelievable. Rather than the world to look at us and see the peace of God no. in the midst of it, we went to social media and stressed out somebody yeah. else. You know, I – we, we dealt with this kind of thing over and over and over and over again here on Viewpoint, and people's fear uh, just completely took over. We gave sway to fear. We did not walk by, by faith. Even pastors were complicit in it, and uh, it's unfortunate. Now, we've talked about stress. We've talked about stressors, but we need to talk about peace. You say that peace is the sense of divine favor arising from confidence in God and your relationship with Him. Let's pursue that when we get back from this break. Friends, the book, The Stressless Life, Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God and Indescribable Peace. You've got to get this book, $15 on our website, saveus.org. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. You can't know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. And yet many will say, well, I believe in God. Well, James says, yeah, you're doing a great thing, but even the devil believes and trembles. So believing in God isn't what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to believe him. Not to believe in him, but to believe him. That means to trust him. And trust is born of relationship. Do I have that right, Vance? I agree completely. What we've been invited into is a love relationship with God. And the, the enemy's alternative is religion. And you can call religion Buddhism, Islam, Mormonism, or Christianity. Mm. But religion is man's attempt to somehow make himself right with God through a system of do's, don'ts, through a learning of information, rights, wrongs, ceremonies, rituals. Christianity of the Bible is the exact opposite. Christianity says there's nothing you and I can do to earn a right standing with God. But God loved us so much that he did not leave us there. He did for us what we could not do on our own in sending his son Jesus into the world to die on a cross, rise again from the dead, so you and I could be made right with God. But here's the picture where a lot of people are living today. 
They've accepted Christ. They've been made right with God. The prison door has been swung open, but they're still sitting inside the jail cell. They've not walked out the door to begin to experience the freedom and the peace that is ours in Christ. Uh, That's very good. You know, uh, I uh, am waiting right now for the final typeset draft of my 10th book to be returned to me for a final review. It's called... Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. And in that book, and as I wrote that book, which is about 400 pages, what I discovered is there is a messianic hope of some sort throughout the whole world. But it's not a messianic hope for Jesus. It's a messianic hope that really is rooted in self-salvation, including Judaism itself. And it's fascinating that the only faith of any type whatsoever that has a hope beyond yourself is the Christian faith. I think you're really onto something, Chuck, because, I mean, one, you think about the, the Marvel universe that's out there right now, the billions and billions of dollars that have been generated in the last 15 years through the production of these superhero movies all really rooted in this story of our need for a hero, mm-hmm. our need for something supernatural. You're right. And I believe it really goes back to the book of Ecclesiastes, where the Bible says eternity is written in the hearts of human beings, meaning mm-hmm. God made us to know that we were made for something bigger than us. We were made for something beyond us. And religion is our cheap counterfeit to try to substitute for what God has invited us into through relationship with his son. Mm. So I I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, as people read this book, I think it's going to be utterly shocking, both to pastor and people alike. Uh, It's it's just utterly amazing. And actually, uh, through hyper-technology, the intent, the expressed intent is to create human saviors, Ultimately, through technology, will we will rise above uh, humanity to immortality. It's unbelievable where things are heading, and doesn't that uh, take us all the way back to the Tower of Babel? Well, it sure does. Exactly, exactly my friend. What and if, in the Old if we're going to live in that spirit, we'll never have peace. So, what we're doing, the whole world is running like they're running out of time to reach nirvana, to reach utopia, to reach some kind of place where we don't have to trust God and we're not subject to his judgment. And how amazing that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us at no expense to us, completely paid for in Christ, the very thing that our soul is longing for, and yet we're choosing to go a different way. God has given us in Christ everything we need to experience all that life is about. He's given us in Christ all that we need to have relationship with him, to enjoy our relationships with one another. Mm -hmm. All of that is available to us in Christ, and yet we are walking right past it every day, trying to figure it out on our own in another way. You have done such a wonderful job in your book, the way you've broken it down. Uh, I, I really appreciated it, uh, Vance. And 
I want to make sure our listeners know how much I appreciated this book and how helpful I think it will be uh, to people. Your gift of $15, friends, will put this $17 book in your hands. It's hot off the press, actually. Hot off the press. I can just feel the heat coming through my hands right now. And <laughs> I, like and I, want, I want you to get it on the website, saveus.org, or you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. We're writing a check and $5 for postage and handling. The Stressless Life. The Stressless Life. Now, back in the 1970s, Vance, there was a bumper sticker that came out called, The Hurrier I Go, The Behinder I Get. Mm. The Hurrier I Go, The Behinder I Get. Now, you have a chapter called Running Out of Time. And uh, there's a sense in which no matter where you go, if you ask people, even Christians, yes, even pastors, you ask people, how's it going? And their answer is, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Busyness has become the earmark of American pride today. Busyness. You're exactly right, and what it really boils down to is an issue of Christ-likeness. What all of us are in the process, as followers of Jesus, we are all in the process of being conformed into the image of Christ. How are we being conformed to the image of Christ when we take busyness as a hallmark of our existence? Well, that's what I'm saying. If you look at the life of Christ in the Gospels, like Jesus Mm -hmm. was never in a hurry. Uh, now, Jesus had more to do in his life than any of us will ever have to do. He had to save the world. And yet you never see Jesus in a hurry because he lived on the Father's agenda. Out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father, Christ lived an intentional life full of, of passion, full of enjoyment, full of meaning and purpose. But he lived an intentional life that was rooted and grounded in intimacy with the Father. True. And it was his relationship to the Father that enabled him to just, I mean, he, was he ever interrupted? Sure, he was interrupted. But those became divine appointments yeah. where he joined in the activity of God. There was never a rush, never a hurriedness to his life. And often, like you said, we look at our lives, and our lives are so busy and so full. And the point I'm making is that's a Christ-likeness issue in our lives. We've been conformed to the system of the world rather mm, than yeah. being conformed to the image of Christ. So in other words, it's pretty hard for us to see people the way God does, the way Jesus did, if the hurrier we go, the behinder we get. Without a doubt. Yeah, we, we just can't see, see it. people as obstacles in my day to accomplishing what I want to do rather than opportunities in my day. And they're interrupting my peace rather than being an agency of peace. Totally. Without a doubt. All right. Now, money. Uh, (laughs) They say money makes the world go down. They also say around. They also say love makes the world go around. So, and yet money is one of the premier stressors uh, of our time. In fact, our whole country is stressed out uh, regarding money, and we're being placed into bankruptcy by the actions of our legislators and presidents who uh, are heading us down that primrose path, having no concept of a biblical response toward money. 
What is it about money that creates the stress, and how do we uh, gain dominion over it? Yeah, money is one of those examples. That's what, in the book I do the uh, I, in the first few chapters I lay these principles out of peace versus stress and how to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and then I begin to give practical examples. And one of them is in this area of money. And there are really four reasons why we stress out over money, and they're <clears throat> really rooted in Paul's letter to Timothy in First Timothy. But one of them is we have a lack of contentment. Um, um, we've bought into the lie in the American culture, this enormous lie that contentment is found in getting everything I want. And if I just get everything that I want, then I can be at peace. Then I can be happy. We've confused wants and needs, and we've become consumed with the idea that if I can just get to the next level, then I'll be happy. The problem is... Mm. That level just keeps moving. Every time we get to the next level, there's another level. Well, it's like the the millionaire that said, uh, the only thing I need to be happy is another million dollars. A million percent. That's exactly correct. There you go. We have a lack of contentment that drives this uh, stress relationship with money. And so the question people have to begin to ask is, am I stressed about money because I'm just not content with what God's given me? Here's Mm. the reality. There's nothing wrong with pursuing a good living. But if you're not content with what you have, you will not be content when you get what you don't have. Wow. You know, you've got a great, a a number of great lines. Uh, And I really, that's one of the things I really like about your book. Uh, You know, you you cut to the case with, uh, to the chase with some of these wonderful, simple lines and uh, when I honor God with my finances, I can trust him to satisfy all my needs. You That's know right. what I think? I think that the majority of Christians, I know the majority of Christians, don't trust God with their finances. You know how I know that? Because among evangelical Christians for the past 12 years, no more than 4% tithe. No more than 4% of evangelical Christians tithe, and among their mainline counterparts, no more than 2%. We don't trust God. Well, that's another reason that I think we're stressed out about money is because we don't manage it according to God's design. Mm-hmm. And God does have a design in Scripture for how we're to manage what He's entrusted to us, and that's the real principle. Nothing we have belongs to us, and the proof is you're not taking it with you. Everything you own right now will someday be owned by somebody else. There's no U-Haul, there's no hearse pulling a U-Haul to the funeral home. Like, you're not... Why did you have to remind everybody of that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to be right back after this, friends. Vance Pittman, right to the heart of the matter. We want to live a stressless life, but we've got to trust God. We've got to learn what that really means. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. 
But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. It's a common pastoral joke that I'd love the ministry if only I didn't have to deal with people. I love the ministry if only I didn't have to deal with people. And yet that's exactly what ministry is, is dealing with people. And everywhere in our lives, people have different thoughts, different viewpoints, different opinions, different attitudes, different gifts, uh, different backgrounds, and they all have the potential for creating stress. So, just this past week, my wife and I have had to deal in, I'm trying to count the times, at least three or four already, and this is only Tuesday, where we had to deal with issues of stress concerning relationships with people. Vance, there's no magic magical solution to this, is there? Or what is it? There is no magical solution, and you're exactly right in identifying that we all deal with this. 44% of Americans identified relationships as the number one source of stress in their lives, and that Mm -hmm. can be family relationships, uh, work relationships, neighbor relationships, all kinds of relationships. So we all have to deal with this. And the reality is that when we come into relationship with God, the first way we know that we're in right relationship with him is we begin to see reconciliation in our relationships with one another. Jesus even said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Meaning, when I love him and my love relationship with him is right, you'll begin to see that demonstrated in the way that I relate to others as well. And so peace in our relationship starts in enjoying my relationship with God to the extent that it spills into my relationships with others. But Paul wrote in Romans, there are going to be times where, as far as it depends on you, you're to be at peace with all people. Now, sometimes (laughs) you go to the extent of what you can do, and that's all you can do. So in the book, I give people some some counsel as to how to deal with relationships that are stressors in your life where you've done everything you can do to bring peace, and you you, you don't have an alternative. And I tell them there's one of three options. You can step up. you got to confront the relationship using a... Matthew 18 principle, where you go to a brother or sister in Christ, or sometimes you have to step back in the relationship. Mm. You have to establish boundaries mm-hmm. for that relationship so that uh, you put those boundaries in place to protect yourself. And then sometimes you have to step away from a relationship. There are some relationships where those need to be removed in yeah. your life. Now, if you're talking about an immediate family relationship, you got you need to sit down with a pastor, a spiritual counselor, to get some help about how to navigate that. Or you might just consider that you were part of the precipitating problem, and maybe, just maybe, you need to ask forgiveness. Without a doubt. The, the, The starting place that I deal with in the book, the first several pages of that chapter, are really dealing with my own heart. Yeah. Uh, am I being honest in the relationship? Am I harboring anger about the past? Am I focused on what I can get more than what I can give? Am I looking for opportunities to speak grace? Am I dealing with this relationship in my own strength? All these questions rooted in Ephesians 4 about what it looks like to live in community with other believers, mm. we have to start internally and deal with, uh, as Jesus said, the uh, 
the, the log in our own eye before we deal with the speck in somebody else's. But once you've done that and addressed that and you need some help, you can't answer that. People say, well, I've done everything I can do. Well, if you're the only one evaluating that, you haven't yet done everything you can do. <laughs> you need to ask somebody who's not emotionally engaged in that relationship, yeah. is there something else I need to do? But once you have, then you have to look at these. Well, let me give you an illustration, our listeners, an illustration out of my life in the last two days. I had to get an appraisal on a piece of property. Mm. The party was recommended to me as one of the most expert appraisals in our area, appraisers. And uh, so I went to this person, and he sent me a pro forma uh, pro appraisal for my review. Well, as I looked at it, uh, shall we say, I was greatly troubled. Greatly troubled by how it went. And so when I called the fella and talked to him about it, and I knew he was a professing believer, I was not kind. In fact, my... Uh, uh, cross-examining lawyer experience rose up in me mm. in the flesh and I kind of attacked the guy well I knew he said do you want your money back I said well um, so in any event <laughs> overnight the Lord spoke to my heart son yeah you didn't handle that right that was not a proper example of a Christian man businessman, pastor, and so on. So I called him. I called him this morning. And I said, Brother, will you please forgive me? I attacked you. I was wrong. He said, it's done. Forgiven. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. Let's start over. And I'd, I would like to just chat with you as a reasonable person about the situation and we did. We had a wonderful chat this very day. You know how he finished up that chat? Even though we discovered a lot of things that were actually reasons why I was upset. But rather than dealing with it in that fashion, we finished up and he said, wow, what a great conversation. I said, brother, I'm giving you a holy hug over the phone lines. And everything was resolved. Now, I don't know what his appraisal will be. That wasn't right. the issue. Right. The issue was, how are you handling an otherwise stressful situation? It's yeah, tough. Yeah, the relationship. Oh, it is tough. But, but you know, Proverbs has a lot to say about relationships. Oh, yeah. Proverbs. And one of the valuable principles I've learned in Proverbs is that to, to, to use our words correctly, we need to focus on the right thing mm -hmm. said in the right way and at the right time. You mean like death and life are in the power of the tongue? <laughs> or, or, or like apples of gold and yeah, settings right. of silver or a word spoken in right circumstances. So it's the right thing at the right way in the right time. So yeah. you might have been saying to this guy the right thing, but you weren't saying it in the right way. Exactly. And the right way is as important. And that's one of the problems the church has in America today. You got it. We're speaking truth, but we're not speaking truth in love. And so we're not creating an audience for the truth that we want to preach mm. because our demeanor is so out of character with who Christ is 
When you think about you ask the average lost person out there in the world today, what do you think about when you think about Jesus? They'll say compassion. You ask them, what do you think about when you think about the church? They'll say condemnation. <laughs> like we've so misrepresented Jesus to mm, the world yeah. that we, we've lost the opportunity to hear. And it's because of what you just described and how we handle relationships. Yeah. Well, Jesus uh, made it very pointed that uh, our actions are important, but so are our attitudes. And they're two sides of the very same coin. Yeah. All right. You have a chapter called Choices, Choices. I thought this was great. Peace in decision making. Now, this is a this is a very difficult thing because we don't know. There are decisions that have to be made in our lives. My wife and I are dealing with one right now and have been dealing yeah. with it for a number of months. And we're saying, Lord, we don't have the answer to this. We have turned everything over to you. We're trusting you. And we have to continue to turn that over, to cast our care upon him, because we don't have the answer. Yep. Here's what I've discovered in my life. Every time in my life, there's a lack of clarity. A lack of clarity is always an invitation to deeper intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. And clarity is found through pursuing him, not trying to figure out his will. And a lot of Christians, what's God's will? What's God's will? I need to know God's will. No, you need to know God. And as you know God, he accomplishes his will through your life. And so one of the counsels mm. I give in the book for making wise decisions is you got to saturate yourself with the word of God. Through his word, exactly. God invites us daily to sit at his feet and discover the riches of his wisdom. So when, men refuse, so to, when men refuse to read the word, when men refuse to meditate on the word, they are actually writing the prescription for their own stressed out life. Without a doubt. All Without right. a doubt. This is this is so helpful, Vance. I'm thank you so much for this gift to the body of Christ and then beyond that. The stressless life, experiencing the unshakable presence of God's indescribable peace, friends, it's rooted in trust. Trust is what God is looking for. You may think that he's looking just for love. No, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. And if we truly trust him, then the stress is decimated or gotten rid of in our lives. And we realize then that we can't grow without stress, but we don't have to be destroyed by stress. Isn't that what God has in mind? He knows we have to have stress to grow. You asking me? Yeah. I thought you were wrapping up. Well, I was, <laughs> I but I decided to throw it back to you, Vance. I was about to pass an offering basket to say amen to your sermon, man. It was good <laughs> stuff. Uh, it was really good stuff. No, you're, you're exactly right. We, we, they, these things in our life will come, but it's through these things that we'll begin to exchange yeah. the stress of life for the peace of God. And exactly. when we begin to moment by moment just run to him, let do what you just said, trust him. Trust him in everything. We'll begin to experience his peace, knowing that no matter what comes our way, it's been filtered through the hands of a God who loves you. And I may not be able to see it right now, mm -hmm. but ultimately, everything in my life I know today is because God loves me and knows this is best for me. And I may not see it now, but I'll ultimately be able to see that. So, no matter what circumstance we, we face, we can't let our circumstances shape the way we view our God. Mm -hmm. We have to let our God shape the way we view our circumstances. Absolutely. And when we do, 
we experience his peace. There it is. We experience peace and the stressless life. Okay. And in everything, give thanks, friends. While you're going through the test, remember, without a test, there's no testimony, and tests always produce stress. But the question is, am I going to be stressed out, or am I going to trust God through the test? That's it. All right. The book, The Stressless Life, uh, $15, will put this $17 book in your hands on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. And, uh, friend, become a partner with us. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's uh, perspective, and including today. This is one of the deepest issues that we face in perilous times. The perilous times are coming. They're here. The question is, how are we dealing with perilous times? Be confident of this. It is God who is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It may not feel like it at the moment, but we don't live according to our feelings because the just shall live by faith. Pray for us, Vance, before we leave. Okay. Father, thank you for the promise that you've given us in your word of peace. We do not have to live frayed, stressed out, troubled lives. You said in your word, be anxious for nothing. We can trade our anxiety, our stress for the peace of God that passes all comprehension. And Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this today, that they would stop what they're doing, that they would seek your face, that they would humble themselves before you, that they would trust you. And in growing in intimacy with you, experience the peace of God that passes all comprehension. Lord, thank you for this promise that is ours in Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Brother, thank you so much. Uh, hold the fort there in uh, Las Vegas in the center of all American darkness. Thank you that you're bringing uh, the light of the gospel there. And uh, it's it's great to uh, to make a new friend here. We've had over 3,500 national guests on this program. And wow. uh, you add to the number, and uh, I'm blessed to have met your acquaintance. Thank you so much, Vance been an honor, Chuck. God bless you. Thank you very much. All right, friends. We're going to persist okay. here, and uh, I trust that you will uh, become a partner. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. He's not doing it. We can't trust on commercial support for this program because of the issues we deal with. But God is trusting you, and so are we. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner again. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And remember, get a copy of this wonderful, life-preserving book, The Stressless Life, on our website, saveus.org. God bless, and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.